everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the Communications Coordinator at High Point Church, and this is an episode of Escaping Babel, which is one of our podcast series that's all about how to escape cultural captivity with gospel truth. Previously on Escaping Babel, we've talked about romance and dating, spiritual friendships, and since then, we've gotten feedback that you want to hear more on masculinity. So these episodes are all about that, and in this one, you'll get to hear from Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, Nicole Kyle, our Director of Worship and Music Arts, and John Sekotowski, our Director of Kids Ministries. In these episodes, we've been working off of a list of advice that you can find linked in the show notes. In last week's episode, number 156, called Masculinity Part 1, we got through the first five subpoints of point number seven under Advice for Young Men. In this episode, we'll finish out those subpoints, and it's also important to remember that what we're talking about in these episodes is advice. We've taken Christian teaching and truths and applied them to the topic of masculinity to come up with this list. If you have any questions or feedback, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Engage Equip podcast. I'm here with Nick Gibson. Hello. And Nicole Kyle. Hello. And my name is John Sikotowski. And this is our second episode in this little mini series that we've been doing within Escaping Babel, specifically on masculinity. A mini series with the subpoint of the subpoint. So, in the last episode, we covered um, some general ideas about why masculinity matters, why it matters to talk about it in the context of Escaping Babel. And then we started to go through a list of things um, that are different ways that men can pursue being properly masculine. But I think before, um, in that episode, we talked about jumping back into this list in our second episode, which we will do in a little bit. But before doing that, um, we thought it'd be good to revisit why does it matter that we have masculine men. Like, what is an apologetic for having masculine men in the church? Nicole. <laughs> no. So, to clarify, Escaping Babel, the story of the Tower of Babel in the Bible is a story about human beings doing the opposite of what God told them to do, doing it for their own glory rather than for God's purpose. And the result being that it creates massive confusion and problems. Mm-hmm. And people are unable to achieve what they dreamed they would achieve because God intentionally frustrates them and because they aren't doing what they were made to do, right? And so the Escaping Babel is about us re-realizing God's design and plan and and call for us how he's redeemed us towards it in Christ and how we can keep in step with the Spirit with the true stewardship he's given us, the real trust in our lives that he's given us to do. And so part of that for every human being is that we are made male and female. And um, I can't get into all the politically correctness discussions around that Mm -hmm. that um, tend to cloud the issue of maleness and femaleness. So I just have to set those aside entirely at the moment and and just say that the Bible comes at human beings in the first two pages of the Bible, designating them as made in the image of God. That is, their humanity is mirroring certain qualities of the character of God himself and therefore retains a co-equal dignity. And therefore, they're equal in that sense. Men and women are equal in dignity. Mm-hmm. And because they're equal in dignity, politically, we've recognized, at least in Western culture, that should mean that they're equal before the law. That's where the whole concept of being equal before the law came from, right? So men and women are equal, but they are distinct. They are male and female, and women in their femaleness also bear the image of God, and men in their maleness also bear the image of God. Okay, so that's clear in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, there's an emphasis on the fact that the maleness and the femaleness of the men and the women distinguishes them 
and distinguishes them in a way that makes them complementary to each other so that only together they can achieve what God wanted them to achieve and experience what God wanted them to experience, which Mm -hmm. includes belonging and joy and so on. Right. And so chapter two sort of culminates with Adam singing this beautiful song about how delighted he is in God creating this woman and in them coming together in the first marriage union and becoming one flesh, creating the first institution of humanity and one of only two institutions God directly creates in the scriptures. Okay. So, um, and the maleness of the males is sort of fundamental to that whole story Mm -hmm. and everything that comes after it. And so, um, part of sin is the degradation of masculinity and femininity throughout the Bible. You see women sinning in distinctly feminine ways and triumphing in mostly distinctively feminine ways and men sinning in usually distinctively masculine ways and triumphing in usually distinctively masculine ways. And so living out the will of God for a Christian is first and foremost out of our humanity. And then second, and like right on the heels of that is our male humanity or female humanity Hmm. right now. That doesn't mean that we're being dismissive of people who have like gender dysphoria or who who Mm -hmm. would describe themselves as transgender um, what that does is it allows us for us to agree with them that this is an extremely profound hmm. difficulty of their mm-hmm. lives because cr- it's Christians who say most profoundly and have for thousands of years that your maleness and femaleness is extremely fundamental to your being as a human. And so any dysphoria of that, any confusion right. about that is extremely painful mm-hmm. internally and extremely disjointive socially. Right. And so we should, however we think this should be dealt with or handled or how people can be loved in it, it is, it is relative to this assumption that Christians have placed in the Western canon and Mm -hmm. some of the canon of history of how fundamental maleness and femaleness is. And, um, and also if you follow any of the, the trans stuff that's been going on, that whole movement is split between trans and queer. Because queer is gender doesn't matter. We can be fluid. I can be a man. It does like I. I don't have to live in these binary categories, right? That's not what trans is. Trans is right. I'm physically male. I'm in a physically male body, and I deeply believe I am a woman. Hmm. That's not. There's nothing queer about that. That is a. Right. That is a disjunction of the two. And Christians, I think the Christian view is the trans person is onto something, and solving that by queering maleness and femaleness like pretending that binary isn't fundamental to human experience is wrong hmm. and so th- that's one of the reasons why people have taught, said that the lgbt and q don't just don't go together right. that's just an alphabet soup that has virtually no relationship with each other other than goals right mm-hmm. and so so having men who know what it means to be masculine is important and this is especially true when people are confused about gender because um Culturally speaking in America, there's a this general sense that you are born the way you are. And so if you're born a man and that just happens to be the case, you'll just sort of figure it out and it will just happen. And there's a there's a good there's a good bit of biblical teaching. There's also a good bit of sociological, psychological research that says that's not true. Hmm. So Leonard Sachs in one of his in one of his books talks about the impartation of masculinity and femininity. He talks about all boys' schools and all girls' schools and so on. He says, listen, boys can have women teachers. They obviously have mothers. Boys can learn almost anything from women. They can learn math from women. They can learn English from women. They can learn Spanish from women. They can learn physics from women. They can learn almost anything from women. But there is something they can't learn from women, and that is how to be a man. Yeah, That's the only thing they can't learn from women. And similarly with girls, girls can learn from men in all kinds of ways. But one Mm -hmm. of the things girls can't Mm -hmm. learn 
from men is how to be a woman because um and part of that is because it's fundamental and but part of it is because it does have to be learned Hmm. but it has to be learned with some from somebody who has a shared experience and dignity in that thing so Mm -hmm. the man experiences the biological nature of masculinity but then it how to utilize that biology has to be imparted kind of like we all have bodies like you have a body but like you had to go through a process of teaching your nervous system how to operate that body and yeah. learning how to operate that body. We're born with masculinity and femininity, but there is a long process psychologically of developing how to inhabit it. Hmm. And so to minimize the fundamental nature of masculinity and femininity in human beings is to ruin the childhood of people hmm. and to wreck their capacity to understand themselves and to upset their ability to be human properly and well long into their adulthood. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people don't sort this out until their 40s, 50s, and 60s. It's really bad. I think that um, even in a secular perspective, we see this, like, how many times have you watched a movie where there's a single parent and it's like a dad of three girls and they're going through adolescence and he knows, like, I can't teach them how to walk through this. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's not a Christian worldview perspective specifically. Right. But that is an example of, like, this, this is something that I think we know deep within us whether or not we're coming at it from a Christian worldview or not. Yeah. I think, yeah. And so it gets back to the whole, that whole thing, like how to be a man without being dismissive, boorish, angry, or like harsh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, people are just afraid. It's one of the things that's hard. To, people are afraid of what the definition will be. That if you say, yeah. this is what it means to be a man, then it will be either a kind of man nobody wants, or it will be a kind of man no man wants to be. Hmm. And that's a problem. And you don't solve that problem with silence hmm. and passivity. Hmm. Certainly, and certainly not if you're going to be masculine. <laughs> right. So, right, right, right. Um, so let's jump back into this list of, um, there's a list of 16 items that comes from a previous list. So this is a, a sub point in a longer list um, that you can actually find the handout that includes this at highpointchurch.org slash escaping babble. Um, if you go on there, it, there's a long list of advice for young men and advice for young women. And in the advice for young men section, there's a section on uh, learn how to be masculine in good ways without being disgusting, boorish, callous, or condescending. And we have been working through the 16 items uh, in the sub point of that number seven point. So we Just got the through first the first 16 of 300 that I could have Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So the, uh, the five that we covered in the previous episode were one, grow in your faith like you're going to be the pastor of a family with grandchildren. Two, lead something, start small. Church is a great place to start. Three, never tell a lie. Speak your mind with careful speech when appropriate. Four, behave with some dignity. Learn to take yourself seriously while growing in humility. And five, treat everyone weaker than you with dignity. Um, So we're going to just dive into the rest of this list and hopefully we'll get through the rest of these today and then we can move on to some of the other things on uh, the larger list in our upcoming third masculinity episode so number six on this list is before you do that can i just ask a question so i was not in that last episode and it's not been published yet so i haven't heard it Mm -hmm. one of the things as i'm going good i believe you uh hannah's in it so i'm i have high hopes for it um one of the things that i noticed as i read through this is that not every single one of these is specific to men like treat everyone weaker than you with dignity that's that's something that men and women should all do. Mm-hmm. It's something you preached about recently in your sermon. So did you talk Agreed. in yeah. these? 
I think we did. And I think about how this I th- part of the reason we have a woman in on this podcast is because Hannah was quick to point that out. I oh, think, okay. In the last <laughs> podcast, she was like, you know, these aren't, but like part of, because I, I still think yeah. that there are ways that they are, that they are specifically related to masculinity. That's unique to masculinity. I mean, when we've covered yeah. topics on femininity, we've had the same sort of conversation. That mm-hmm. Some of these things aren't unique to women, but they affect women uniquely. And so, right. yeah. 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 And I, I, so I think that, I, I think that there, yeah, every man and woman, if they live out a holistic humanity, are going to have traits that people might consider classically feminine, even though they may be mm-hmm. a perfectly masculine man. Yeah, that's that's true. But I, I think in relationship to masculinity, if you're trying to be masculine, one of the part of that is to develop strength and the virtuous wielding of that strength. Mm-hmm. And fundamental to that has to be the dignity of people weaker than you. Right, so so right. that's why I think it's especially right. important mm-hmm. to focus on that with men. But yeah, it's true for I, we teach little kids that too. I mean, right. we have to teach everybody that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, number six on this list is behave in gentle protectiveness towards women and children, which is related to number five: the treat everyone weaker than you with dignity. Um, yeah, part of now, now remember part of this is this list is advice. Right. It's not like you have to do this or that, but like mm-hmm. part of it, the reason I wrote this list in the first part is some men were kind of like, can you give me some direction? Like we live in this feminist world where people don't want me to be masculine. And you know, it's just very hard to figure out how, how women actually do want me to be masculine. Mm-hmm. And guys really do struggle. Younger guys really do struggle with that because they, they want to date these feminist women. And if you say anything like unfeminist, they get like upset, but yet all of they have all the same biological drives that women normally have that want men to be men mm-hmm. and wants to be treated as women. And that can create an issue. Now it's not unnavigable. Like you can navigate this, mm-hmm. but it, it, it means that your masculinity has to be extraordinarily precise Yeah, because they're touchy, you know, hmm. not that, I mean, women may have always been, I mean, women are more sensitive generally than mm-hmm. men. And so they're going to be touchier on all kinds of things. And as they grow, they get touchier about better things and less touchy about worse things. That's part of their maturity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, you could, you just gotta be, so there's, there are things that like, even like a, a very feminist woman, if you take a very feminist woman on a date, <laughs> um, there are things that you can do that she can't help but like, hmm. and just very little protective things. Like if you just, um, touch the small of her back or like just the inside of her elbow when you cross the street or like just, I mean, there's all kinds of like little things that you can do that are like little tiny protective things towards them and like just a man being attentive at all to the safety of the children he is around hmm. most men are entirely oblivious to the activity <laughs> and the safety of the children around and it drives women a little nuts because they're very wired to to like be watching the children all the time right there's this there's this joke that i sometimes tell which people sometimes don't like um what happens when men and women have children around and the women are watching the kids and the men are doing something else and the answer is the kids are being watched and then if you say what's happening when the women and men are around and the men are watching the kids and the kids are playing and the answer is the women are watching the kids, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the women will never trust the men to watch the kids because the men usually can't be trusted to watch the kids because like, <laughs> if they get hurt, they'll come crying and we'll deal with it. Like, but they've got to go play. Mm-hmm. But the, the male I, like mentality of what should be happening is people should be taking care of themselves and they shouldn't be bothering other people. Mm-hmm. And so me watching a kid is a bother. I shouldn't have to do that. Right. That's so C.S. Lewis has this bit. I think it might be in screw tape letters about how men and women offend each other because women sort of show care by bothering about things hmm. more often than men and men show care by not bothering 
people more often than women. Hmm. And so sometimes men think that they're caring for women by not bothering about them because they wouldn't want to be bothered. And women are very offended by the fact that the man doesn't bother about them Hmm. because that's what you do when you care is Hmm. you bother about Hmm. things. And so that's not just true of the English. That's a fundamentally human thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you could put it that way. Like sometimes as a man, you need to learn to bother about women in the way they wish to be bothered about. I was watching these, these two videos about like what men and women want on dates. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, for the women, for the, for like what women want, the guy, the, the woman was talking to the men and said, listen, whatever you do on a date, um, try to schedule in at least an hour of good conversation hmm. where you're just talking to each other. Um, uh, if you don't do that, it's, it's, it's not super likely she's going to think it was a really good date. Hmm. Right. On the other side where this guy is talking about, like, if, let's see, look, if you're a woman, you want to take a guy on a date and you, that means you're taking responsibility for the date. You need to realize that he may not want to engage in more than about 15 minutes of very direct conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and like, and both of those are true. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of like, part of protective things is like asking a woman what's going on, asking what she wants, like mm-hmm. doing certain mm-hmm. things. But, but I find that like, there are ways of being mildly protective of women. That is a way of bothering about them that, that connects with something very deep in their femininity that they can't not know. Yeah. And they'll have a feeling about it or an intuition about it, even if they wouldn't be able to yeah. explain it within their gender ideology. And I remember in a, in a previous episode too, you talked about um, that this is just a helpful thing to cultivate in your attitude to, as you're paying attention to women around you in general. So like the example of if a young man is pulling up to a, to a grocery store and it's kind of slippery out and there's an older woman who's walking in, you should be walking up to her, offering her your arm. And offering to to walk her in to make sure she doesn't fall down yeah, or something like absolutely. that. Absolutely, that cultivating that attitude of being protective towards towards women, not only in one that you're trying to pursue, right, but just as a general attitude in life is is going to be something that helps to grow you in that sort of protective strength. That's a part of masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think too. So for the women who are listening. I think the challenge related to this is to not take offense at these. Like Nick, you (laughs) talked about this already and I've, I've shared ways that I have poorly received the kindness from Scott in these ways. Mm -hmm. But I think my, my, um, what happens to me internally is my initial reaction when I'm not in a healthy place is I can do that myself. That's not in question here. <laughs> the question is not whether I'm capable of doing this thing. I mean, sometimes that's true. Sometimes it is very much that I'm incapable of something and, and it is a kindness for Scott or another person to help in that. But, but it's not always about ability. And um, so I think that's, there is a way to learn how to receive grace and care from other people that requires maturity and not seeing it as an affront to your Mm-hmm. ability as a person or specifically as a woman. Yeah. And part of my advice here is for men who are single, who are trying to enter into dating relationships that will lead to marriage mm-hmm. is there are certain. So one of the things a woman should be looking for is whether a husband is, whether a man is willing to sacrifice and be exploited right. or used up for her and her offspring. And so um, she should be looking as to whether or not a man is a selfless servant and willing to give of himself to others, even if they don't absolutely require every ounce of his energy. And so there's lots of ways in which he could serve her that are inappropriate at that level of the relationship. And so most of the ways he should serve her and show this kind of protectiveness and so on 
is symbolic actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you refuse those symbolic actions, then you don't engage in that interaction that is part of determining character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So number seven on this list is be appropriately disagreeable. Don't be bullied or pushed into things you don't agree with. Don't go along with the crowd or obey rules that are wrong. Always stand up to a bully, even if they're partially right. I would love to hear you respond to this, Nick, specifically as it relates to men and why this is really important for men. Because I read this and I'm like, yes, I resonate with this a lot. And I think that's given my personality and temperament and lots of things that come into it. So as a woman who really resonates with this, I'd love for you to talk about why is this something you include on your list specifically for men to be intentional about. Yeah, and we like intentionally include highly disagreeable women on these podcasts because <laughs> it, it creates more interesting discussions, mm-hmm. right? If you have highly agreeable people on a podcast, it's not very helpful because no, you're like, yeah, I really, I agree with that. I agree, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so uh, two of the besetting sins of human beings is going along with a crowd and not standing up to a bully. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to learn how to do that. That's that's fundamentally part of masculinity. When, when you, and I mean, it's, in some ways it's part of adulthood, but in some ways it's part of masculinity. Say, I am not doing that. I'm not. So that goes back to telling a lie, but it's also an issue of like learning to stand up for yourself. And everybody needs to learn how to do that. It's worth losing a tooth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think that that, and I think that that's fundamental masculinity. And it starts with just saying, starting with saying, I don't agree with that. Um, I'll go along with it. Let's let's do A, but I don't. I'm just going to tell you I don't agree with A, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it and then moves on. Th- this gets back to like there are some guys. Like I don't know if you guys have seen the Daddy's Home movies, but like there, it's funny because like one guy's like the man's man dude, and then I'm and then yeah. um, Will Ferrell is like the like sensitive guy, right? And he talks about how like well the way to get a girl is to like be her friend and like not act like you like her and just be there and be her best friend. And then you can be invited to her wedding. And like, it, like he just talks about how, like, <laughs> it. It's really funny, but it, it really gets at this fact that like mm. every guy knows as they get older, that the nice guy just never gets the girl. Mm. Right. And most guys live with a, with a certain amount of anger about that because they're like, well, I'm a nice guy. I don't want to be a mean guy. And I feel like women should like that. What's wrong with women, right? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is that nice isn't the same thing as good. Yeah, amen. You can be completely good and kind and be exceedingly dangerous and strong. And what women do not want is a man who is easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that what that means is, is that she can't trust you to act in her interest. Right. If you commit to her covenantly and you say that you love her and you're going to live for the family you're going to create Mm -hmm. and that you're going to be her companion, if other people can get you to do what they want you to do, she's at risk, right? So she wants, she does not want, she does, she doesn't want, and most women really at the bottom, Mm -hmm. they don't want a man that even they can manipulate because they want a fully independent man who will do what he thinks he's right, was, is right and good and in his interest and in the interest of the household he's creating, mm-hmm. which includes her and her offspring. And so the greatest protection she can have, the greatest security that she can have, and the greatest likelihood she'll be loved and cherished is for her to choose a man who will not be manipulated by others mm-hmm. and so that he's personally, morally, and spiritually free to be hers. Yeah. And so nice guys are usually agreeable and manipulatable and other people can tell them what to do and other people can control their lives and direct their lives. And women do not like that. And they, most women can't explain that to you. They just feel it. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the guy in, um, in Hitch, Kevin James? 
Oh, who, yeah. Uh, think, Will Smith, like, <laughs> sort, basically teaches him how to not be a nice guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name, but anyway, it's that. Yeah, that's... If you want to see the movie version of that, that's yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, he like he does. He teaches him how to be kind of like a good jerk, and that is like that's for real. Mm-hmm. And that gets back to this issue of disagreeability. And so te- that's the technical psychological term for it: disagreeability versus agreeability. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the deal. You've got to be that without being boorish, mean, disgusting, arrogant, and that that masculinity. And I think this is true for femininity too it's always existing in the tension of things. Mm-hmm. There's, you're all, it's like the reason it takes so much character and strength is because you're always balancing things, right? And human beings have always known this. I mean, this goes back to Aristotle and before in the, mor- the moral teachings of philosophers and so on that like virtue is always the strength to balance the considerations and to do what's right. That is, the old words for this was, it was the virtue or strength to do what was prudent. Hmm. And prudence doesn't mean prudish like Mm. not willing to do things that are fun prudent Mm. means knowing the right thing to do at the right moment in the right proportion in the right way what the bible tends to use the word wisdom for yeah um but prudence is actually doing the wise thing Mm -hmm. right and that's what makes the difference ethically so most men are not thinking you know what i want to be when i I want to be the most prudent man that has ever existed Mm -hmm. but that is actually what your goal should be yeah yeah. What it means is you're wise enough and strong enough to do the right thing at the right time in the right way in the right proportion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without failing to the right or to the left. And like that is difficult. Yeah. yeah. And the right. more complicated, the, the older you get, the more responsibility you get, the more actors there are, mm-hmm. the more political it becomes, the more difficult it becomes to do that. Yeah. And the stronger you have to be and the wiser you have to be. Yeah. A helpful book for this is the book, No More Christian Nice Guy, which uh, I read a couple years ago and was very convicted by. So I've been trying to reform from being a Christian nice guy. You were definitely a Christian nice guy. Into being a Christian good guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, because I definitely suffered from Christian nice guy syndrome. Yeah. And you don't you feel like it's been not just like, don't you feel like it's been empowering in a lot of ways? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, moving out of the kind of the floaty, I'm just going to be agreeable with whatever. Like that's an, that's a very anxious place to be versus yeah. like having a sense of having a sense of gravity and a sense of okay, I can't really be pushed around is really freeing in a lot of ways and and one especially yeah. is freeing in like the anxiety of the mind that's always kind of trying to attend to every person that's around you all right. the time. Right. Right. And that's precisely what women see and turns mm-hmm. them off. Right. And so if you, so if you're a guy and you either a don't want to live in an anxious place or B would like a girl to be interested in you. Right. <laughs> be, because, because the thing is, is like that nothing fixes that because women experience a, the dislike of that on an extremely primal level. They just won't be attracted to you. Yeah. There's just, there's just nothing there for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they kind of like you. There's some sexual attraction. No, like for her to pick you, there's got to be some sexual attraction. In order for there to be sexual attraction, she can't just like that you're a nice guy. There has to be something in your masculinity that ignites something in her femininity and she has to feel it. Mm-hmm. If your masculinity is too placid and too unformed to ignite that in her, she's not going to be attracted to you. Mm-hmm. right and so I, I i try to help guys understand this that like they're like but wait i thought we're christians we don't want to sexualize relationships yes in the sense that you don't want to sexualize them to the point of them being sexually immoral but men and women come together because of sexual energy like they mm-hmm. they are sexually attracted to each other and so 
you have to ignite something in her femininity with your masculinity or there will not be that kind of interest, right? That's why so many men are baffled how much time a woman can spend with them as friends. They, they just assume, well, I'm a man and she's a woman and mm-hmm. then women can't just be friends. <laughs> and so at some point she will like me and, but like there's, you know, that YouTube video that like all the girls think they're yeah. yep. friends and all the men don't because yeah. men don't need that. All they need to see is the shape of her body basically and a couple other little things to know whether they're sexually interested. Women have to have their feminine femininity accessed hmm. by the masculinity of the man in a particular kind of way for them to be really sexually attracted. And that doesn't happen if you are this nice guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so you women can be perfectly happy in a relationship with this guy for a really long period of time and it not be sexual at all. Right. And in fact, there are some women that will have best friends who are guys who they get most of their emotional needs met from, masculinely speaking, and then they'll be having sex with other guys. It's very predictable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this if you're a guy, this this has to change. Yeah. And I have told some Christian women this too, that like they've dated guys who seen who asked them out. They must have thought they were pretty enough and interesting enough, and yet the guy like doesn't want a second or third date. And they're just kind of baffled as to why. And there are a number of possible reasons for that. But there are some Christian women that are striving so hard to be modest and to be humble in their femininity and to not make their brother stumble and so on that they just don't exude any sexual energy towards a guy at Mm -hmm. all. And there has to be a little. If the guy doesn't think you're sexually interested in him, he has a natural defense mechanism to not be interested in you. And so if you're a woman, that one one of the tricks here is, one of the balances is, you have to exude enough femininity and interest so that he knows that you're interested in him without exuding it in a way that ignites a direct sexual desire and expectation for mm-hmm. for like a certain kind of sexual exploitation that happens before marriage. Yeah. So some people just don't realize that they they want to believe that that doesn't matter and it, it, it does. It's, right. It's, it's, these are right. things. Right. Um, so moving along, uh, number eight. So we've got a couple more minutes here to to get through the rest of these (laughs) number eight is be highly competent and conscientious in your work yeah proverbs 22 29 says do you see a man skilled in his work he will serve before kings not obscure men Mm -hmm. and um this goes a a little bit along with number nine which is do things that will secure and maximize your future income you don't know how many dependents you will have right um so it has, it has partly to do with at, part of being a man is doing, learning to do something and learning to do it really well. Now you could say that's more broad than that. Right. But, um, it's fairly normal for a man in a family to have a larger responsibility for securing income, mm-hmm. even in cases where men and women both work and both work full time. Usually women don't make as much money. And it's not because they're not as competent. Oftentimes they're competent or as competent or more competent. But women naturally choose careers they like more than men. Men recognize naturally that they have to support a family. They tend to do careers that you have better access to more money. Hmm. They work harder for more money. And it's, and it's directly related to women and the pressure women put on them. Because the number one thing that increases a man's income, you would think it would be like they get a college degree mm-hmm. or that they like have worked in a job for seven years or like you would think it would be something related to the job. The number one thing that increases a man's income is that they get married. Mm-hmm. It's the number one thing. And their, and their income usually jumps tens of thousands of dollars because all of a sudden they're like, crap, I have a family mm-hmm. and like, and she want and the, and the wife's kind of like, 
honey, I love you, but like, I would like to have a car that runs and mm-hmm. I would like to buy groceries <laughs> and I need to, right? And like, right. all mm-hmm. of a sudden, she starts putting these expectations of a household onto the husband. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you, yes, we have a wall, but I have to now make a garden within this wall and gardens cost money. Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like, oh gosh, right? Right. And then even as time goes on, usually what happens is that women tend to choose work. They tend to go part-time. They tend mm-hmm. to choose work that they like. Stay-at-home moms tend to get second career jobs that don't pay very much, mm-hmm. but that they enjoy doing, mm-hmm. right? And that's partly because women tend to have lifestyles, especially if they have multiple children, that are like all-consuming. Like They just don't have leisure. Mm-hmm. Whereas men tend to work really, really, really hard. And then they'll do family stuff. And then usually they will take some hobby time or leisure time. They, they, they bifurcate it out. Mm. Whereas women, generally speaking, try to make the things in their life that they have to constantly do more enjoyable mm-hmm. and more relational so that they never have any time off. But all the time that they're doing their stuff is more enjoyable. Yeah. Whereas there are guys that may hate their job, mm-hmm. but they'll go work it. And then they have these other things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important as a guy to just to like, just don't screw around. Like if you're, right. if you, I don't care what you're doing. If you're a baker, Try to figure out how to bake the best bread in the city. Mm-hmm. If you clean toilets, your toilets should be the cleanest, nicest smelling toilets that have ever existed. And you should do it as fast as is possible to do it with the cleaners that are the least harmful to biological entity. Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. you just, whatever you do, you do it well. And if you've mastered it, you try to move on to something else you can master. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you seek to master tasks and to make it so you can do like this, the, the famous quote from Napoleon Dynamite, right? So I'll put this alongside it with the Bible where <laughs> Napoleon goes guys like he's like girls want guys who have skills <laughs> girls want guys who have skills that's true mm-hmm. it's totally true mm-hmm. yeah. like we are not we, there's a re- reason why we say that women are the fairer sex they mm-hmm. are prettier than us they're softer than us they're they, like they are more attractive than us like we we exist to get stuff done mm-hmm. right and it turns out that that matters to women and it ma- should matter to us and right. also men tend to be the most fulfilled when they like do stuff like right. that. Right. So like there was a survey done about like when men and women feel, just feel good. They just feel like they like their life the most predictably. And with women, it was when they were in small groups interacting with each other, doing all, taking care of children, cooking, whatever. But the small groups of people, they enjoyed um, interacting with each other. Right. And you're like, well, that's, that's so stereotypical. Like that's so dumb. Okay. You know what it was for men? Um, Tinkering with small inanimate objects, I usually on a desk. I was gonna say tinkering. I was yeah. thinking, is it when they're like just tinkering mm-hmm. with stuff? Yeah. yeah, men tend to have the most natural at peace. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly where I should be doing, mm-hmm. like trying to fix a chainsaw out in the garage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with another guy, but the, the thing is not whether or not he's with another guy. It's whether or not he's trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Put a new handle on an axe. Yeah. Now, these are some examples for me. Right. Trying to fix a chainsaw, mm-hmm. trying to fix my shower, like... Like right. just like doing the problem something. solving, finding a solution, feeling like it's accomplished at the end and doing right. something that's ultimately productive. Yeah. Right. For that's you useful. Like, else. Mm-hmm. right. Recently I was replacing the alternator in my car with my dad and I got to the end of that day and I was like, this day was good for my soul. Like yeah. I just felt good having done that to my car. Yeah. yeah. And there's something really deep about that. Like, you know, that I've, I started like doing tree removal on the mm-hmm. side. Like I'm a pastor. I work really hard as a pastor. Right. You don't get to tinker with anything as a pastor. Mm-mm. Like you type at a computer some, but like you're mainly relating to people. And that, in that sense, it's kind of weird that like mm-hmm. that women aren't all the pastors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, there are reasons why that's not the case. But like when I go cut down a tree, there's something deeper in the primal places <laughs> of me yeah. 
that is so much more fulfilled than a day pastoring mm-hmm. because I, I, that tree was up. Now it's down. Mm-hmm. I've gifted the wood to somebody who's going to heat their home with it. This person's home isn't going to be damaged. I've made some money for my family. I've provided employment for this other person. Mm-hmm. I've just been very yeah. useful in an extremely tangible way that mm-hmm. I can feel and know. And you've done and something just slightly do dangerous. And I did something slightly dangerous that, requ- that if I had done it wrong, it would have mm-hmm. hurt me or property. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's and it's and it. And I don't do it for the money. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I do it for the danger, for the experience, for the achievement for the helping other you know what I mean? yeah. now some of these examples that you gave are also the stereotypical masculine ways but i think one of the things we've talked about a lot in escaping Babel is that so much of this is on a spectrum but i think the principle of what you're talking about is true whether or not it's something that's like you're cutting down a tree or doing something mechanical with a car yeah. versus a different type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I was saying before. Building a computer. Right. Right. Yeah. For some guys it's cooking. Some guys mm-hmm. really right. like cooking, but cooking mm-hmm. is like, ting- but the funny thing is like men cook different than women. Mm-hmm. Even when they cook really well, they tend to like, um, science it more. They mm-hmm. tend to like make, they bifurcate it a little bit more. They don't, do as much by like there are ways in which like you watch men cook you watch women cook and it like it doesn't look the same Mm -hmm. you know even when they're both chefs Mm -hmm. i still think you can discern a difference usually Mm -hmm. between how they cook like Mm -hmm. men cook like men and women cook like women yeah you know yeah and i think something else with this too is right when you're selecting a, a person to be a spouse like you're betting on trajectory all the time and so the best way that a woman can bet on your trajectory to secure income for her is not so much what sort of wealth you have right now, but what is your like wealth accruing capacity. And that is directly related to how conscientious and competent you are in your work. Yeah. So, um, so that was be highly competent. Which means if you don't have a job, get one. Right. (laughs) Yes. So be highly competent and conscientious in your work. And then, with that, we also talked about do things that will secure and maximize your future income. Um, underneath that is be decisive. Know what criteria you would use to make a decision, then make decisions without delay. Yeah. Just speaking from a woman's perspective, and that that to me um, connects a lot with when we were talking right. about the be appropriately disagreeable, Agreed. that you're not going to just allow someone to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. That is a really important thing to see in somebody because decisiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was really important for me to see that someone who, like when I was dating before I got married, like that was something I consciously thought I want to know that they're going to make a decision and follow through with it Mm -hmm. and not later change their mind, not flake out like that. That was a very important piece to me because I wanted to know that this person was trustworthy and that they would do the hard thing if they needed to. Mm -hmm. And that you can make progress. Mm-hmm. indecisiveness yes. and mm-hmm. changing your mind inhibits progress. And right. what a family is trying to do together is to make progress. Right. You have to make income. You got to save money. You have to like make payments on houses. You have to, you have to, there's nothing specifically, but like if you're going to, if you're going to take on what it means to be a family, like you've got to make progress mm-hmm. and you, things have got to be ordered and you've got to make calls. Mm-hmm. And women tend to, well, everybody appreciates a person who needs to make a decision, making a decision. And yeah. I don't think even it means if the, you have even to... if the decision is I don't I don't want to make this decision. Right. Tell me if you want me to make the decision. I will, and this is what I'll decide. But I don't want to make this decision. Hmm. And I don't think it means you have to make it immediately. Like it, you said in here, without delay. Without right. delay does not mean capricious. Yeah. Right. So I think that's an important thing. 
yeah, yeah. To it consider yeah. in that as well. It doesn't mean be stupid. But yes, yeah, but like one of the things that happens when people are indecisive is they will they will just continually wait for more information mm-hmm. or try to gather more information or try to gauge out how other people are feeling. Part of being decisive is being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to make a decision. You might not like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you can disagree with me if you want, but I'm going to make a decision. I'm not going to be the one who holds all this up. And so the other thing is you got to realize that, you know, at about somewhere between 35 and 65% of information in most cases is when you need to make your decision. Hmm. Getting more decisions that does not help you make better decisions for the most part. Mm -hmm. And there's always, there's always a cost to delaying decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the things you should always ask yourself is, is it time to decide, is there any cost to delaying this decision? Yeah. yeah. If the answer is yes, then you take take very seriously whether or not it's time to make a decision. Right. Right. And then if you say there isn't much cost to delay, you could, the next, next question you need to ask yourself is, if I delay, am I going to get more information? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then don't delay the de- decision. Make the decision. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, um, if you, part of the reason is people will don't make decisions is they're concerned about other people's approval. So one of the things you have to do is to make your decisions and make them non-dogmatically. So if somebody says, where do you want to go to dinner? Right? Like, you, you, let's say you've been going out with a girl for a while. And so like, you just go out on Thursday nights, right? So you're not like planning dates as deliberately as maybe when you first met her. So you might pick her up and she's like, well, where do you want to go? And you don't know where she wants to go, you know? And so you might say something like, if I was in the car all by myself, I would go to this place. But you know me, I like all kinds of food. Mm-hmm. You've made a decision in the sense that you've told her your real preference, but you've also said, listen, if you have a strong preference, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. But but this is my preference. But when, the, when that guy goes, well, I don't know, what do you want to do? That's not as attractive. Mm-hmm. And so there mm-hmm. are ways to be decisive without being dogmatic that are masculine and attractive mm-hmm. and also just helpful. Like just, there's all kinds of ways men can just right. be more decisive. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or like even like I've got, got, I've gotten together with three or four guys to do something before and said, just said, who's in charge here? Hmm. I'm ready to lead. I'm ready to follow. Who's in charge here? Mm-hmm. Right. And then we're like, oh, oh yeah, that's a good question. Right. And then we're like, okay, you're in charge here. Okay. What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Cause right. now I'm in follower mode cause you're in charge. Mm-hmm. So like I wasn't the leader, but I moved the group towards decisiveness. Right. We made a decisive call and then we execute it. And then I did my part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's a helpful question. Yeah. It's helpful. Um, Number 11 is be highly appreciative of expressions of appropriate femininity in women and girls and do not attack boys or effeminate men who seem insufficiently masculine to you. If you take any action, choose gentle guidance and only if you can explain why. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that women should not be humiliated or attacked or taken advantage of for acting feminine because part, a lot of the ways in which women will act quintessentially feminine are ways that increase their overall vulnerability, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so being feminine requires trust, mm-hmm. right? And so what you want to do as a man is always affirm that that woman is existing in the space and environment in which she can trust, she can trust the wall to build the garden, to mm-hmm. use that metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. That she can say, I am at peace to do what it is I want to do and what I can do as a woman and I don't have to worry about how I'm going to be treated. And so... Um, I think that's critical. Mm-hmm. I think, I think similarly though, I think men need to recognize that as they start to try to learn about masculinity and be more attuned to the strength and hardness and even disagreeability of well-formed masculinity, self-righteousness creeps in really fast. Mm-hmm. And so you can look at another man who 
you're like, well, I was like that. Or like that you just now, because you're forming these ideas and you're trying to get it clear in your mind, what wisdom is, you see that this other person isn't that. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to look at that person and want to correct them. And it's very easy to start correcting them with passive aggressiveness or snideness mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. dismissiveness or just mm-hmm. mean looks or whatever. And so you got to be really, really careful about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Because the, there are going to be some fairly effeminately tempered men who are still sufficiently masculine in all of the moral ways a man must be masculine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like you can have a guy who is an elementary school teacher, not a traditionally masculine profession mm-hmm. who even like talks with a little bit of a lisp and just doesn't seem very masculine, but he's faithful to his wife. He goes to work. He does the stuff. He serves Jesus. He like, he like does all the things. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of feminine, you know, like, right. That's called masculinity is what that's called. Mm-hmm. That's what that's called. It's called mm-hmm. godliness and masculinity. And so like, you've got to realize that, Yeah, you know, not right. every guy is going to be the, fir- the guy with the battle axe. Right. That's the way to, in the beginning of this, learn how to be masculine in good ways without being boorish, callous or condescending. Right. right. That falls into that category. Right. And there's a lot of, cause there's going to be a lot of young men who are going to find their masculinity. Mm-hmm. And if you attack them, for being effeminate or for talking with girls or like because being friends with girls or like you, like you, they get that from you, man, it just sends them on a terrible detour mm-hmm. of inferiority and like all kinds of really bad mm-hmm. stuff. And you just have to not do that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that that's really important to make sure. Cause if I'm saying, look, masculinity is all this stuff. People be like, well, pastor Nick thinks masculinity is like all these man, men, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> which I do. I do think that. Right. Yeah. But I think that in a nuanced, broad, like, like distributional kind of way. Right. Like, so, right. so don't, don't take what I say and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I that seven year old that I teach in children's church. Like he's not nearly masculine enough. I'm mm. going to give it to him. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, you're just going to affirm him and like, like be really kind to him and let him see masculinity in you. Mm-hmm. Cause he's watching you. Yeah. Masculinity oftentimes is something. And I think this is true of femininity too, is something that is absorbed Yeah, more than directly yeah. taught usually. Mm-hmm. And so, for years, nobody talked like this. Like I'm like explaining these basic biological functions. Mm-hmm. For most of human history, that's not what happened. Like guys, like guys watched other men live. They they picked guys they thought were good examples of masculinity, mm-hmm. and then they imitated them. Yeah. Let's um let's get through the rest of these, but let's do rapid fire. Okay. So get control of your diet, physiology, and weight. Yes. Great. Yeah. Another way to express conscientiousness. To, to work towards something, to be disciplined. Yeah, I think Charles Dunig's book, The Power of Habit, mm-hmm. has a lot of like human kind of scientific information about how to build good habits because getting control of physiology and weight is usually more than anything an issue of habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. And so you've got to get a hold of that. And so there's certain, and that book has a lot of good pointers. I yep. think on that about creating human habits. Yep. But yeah, if you and- don't do that, you, you just aren't going to be healthy enough to do a lot of these things and right. exerting self-control in the areas like food helps you exert it in other ways. Same, same reason for abstinence right. sexually before right. marriage, yeah. exerting abstinence and self-control in your strongest biological desires makes you able to exert self-control in all kinds of other areas as well, like right. anger or whatever. Right. And right. so right. focusing on doing on the things that are messing with you every single day will mm-hmm. help you build self-control. Yeah. I, I found that that attacking this area helped my quiet times that like I was more consistently disciplined in my times with the Lord as I was more consistently disciplined 
in working out, taking control of my diet, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, take opportunities to learn how to fix and build things. Yeah. Do it. Great. Yeah, Turn there's, off. There's so many YouTube videos that can tell you how to do stuff. Like right. I just, I, last year I right. fixed my dryer because mm-hmm. I just was like, you know, my, my wife looked at me like the dryer's broken. Why don't you fix it? Because mm-hmm. her dad used to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I'm going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned, I'd never opened up a dryer before. I didn't know what the main work. It's a fairly simple mm-hmm. machine and it has some sensors. I had to replace a sensor, mm-hmm. but I ordered a couple other things and replaced them as long as I was in there and changed the belt. And I, like refurbished my dryer and yeah yeah look it, it probably took me seven hours total right mm-hmm. it would have taken a repairman about 40 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> if that. Mm-hmm. but i one it felt great because mm-hmm. i got to tinker right right two i learned about how mechanical systems work i increased my knowledge and so everything you fix you fix other things better right like because i fixed my dryer i could fix my chainsaw carburetor better mm-hmm. even though in some ways they're mechanically unrelated right mechanicalism is a feel it's like a set of intuitions yeah. about how yeah. things are put together and created and the more you do it the, be- the better it goes so right. I, th- I even noticed that when i was a i was a computer repair guy for a little bit and i found it easier to repair my car after having been a computer repair guy because it was like st- even though they were very different a lot of the skills transferred um Turn off or severely limit the amount of time you play video games, watch TV and videos, and are on social media. Use oh, that time to build. Last thing about reason. fixing things. Yes. Girls like guys with skills. Girls like guys with skills. That's Amen. not in the Bible, but it is true. <laughs> so turn off or severely limit the amount of time you play video games, watch TV and videos, and are on social media. You Use that time to build interests, have experiences, grow in your faith, and relate with real people in community. Yeah. I, okay. So let me just reiterate. I do not believe that playing video games is inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I, I don't think that they are in themselves bad in most cases. I mean, I think there are some games that are inherently dis, disennobling and that are bad. I don't think that that's fundamental with like just violent games. All violent games are bad, but I, I think that like... Probably Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto is <laughs> the one that comes to mind. You know, that, that sort of like you're supposed to beat up a hooker. <clears throat> it's like, that, right. I just don't think you should play that period, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that um, what happens with video games, especially with men, is um, living life is very humiliating and emasculating, right? When you live in the real life, especially if you're if you're not super competent, not disagreeable, not decisive, like mm-hmm. you haven't developed these, these skills of masculinity yet, life tends to be very emasculating because mm-hmm. you are already emasculated because your masculinity is not well-developed yet. And so... But what men are longing for is a sense of heroics, a mm-hmm. sense of meaning, a, a sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. and a sex, sense of sexual fulfillment, right? Now, because of technology, we can get that sexual fulfillment, at least a form of it, through the use of pornography. And you don't even have to leave the basement for that, right? And then you can go on adventures and you can accomplish things with people, especially in very short-term hits of success, mm-hmm. right. which are our neurology is kind of set up to get addicted to, mm-hmm. right? It's like why so many games have like these very fast, like rollovers. Mm-hmm. And so you get these dopamine hits. Like we know the brain science of this. Now you right. get these dopamine hits. It's very addicting. You want to do it all the time. Very, very few men can keep video games in their proper place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is they just tend to wreck your life. Mm-hmm. Another way that Scott has talked about them too with me is that so so some of it is that like really fast turnover, but then there are also other games that are like 
um, I know this is true for a lot of sports games, whether it's basketball or football, but you have this like mode where you play, where you're playing an entire season and you're the coach of this and you're build, trying mm-hmm. to build something. And he's talked to me about how, like one of the reasons he thinks that men become addicted to this is because it, the ways that they are supposed to build a family and take dominion of whatever God has given them to steward, they right. just do that on a video game instead. Right. And they, they similarly, they're experiencing that fulfillment that they were meant to experience in their actual life, but mm-hmm. they're putting that time yep. into video games. And I, I yeah. see this personally in my life with social media. I, like, mm-hmm. I have found myself last year, I put so much energy into caring about people who I barely knew or didn't know at all. And I didn't have that to give to the actual neighbors and family in my life. Mm-hmm. I think video games, it's a similar phenomenon. Right. For men. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just watched my daughter sit at the kitchen counter, right, flipping through memes on one of those stupid apps mm-hmm. instagram probably and simultaneously ignore her family and the people who actually care about her while hurting her self-esteem looking at completely unrealistic <laughs> things mm-hmm. while wasting her time yeah and destroying her capacity to concentrate mm-hmm. and it just makes me crazy yeah right yeah. and so um we can get into the parenting of that at a different time like right yeah Yes. But it's all but, they're all examples of ways that we were created to have some sense of fulfillment and we're going to that digitally right. rather than in our real actual lives. Right. And this is a really good place to demonstrate the evidence of the difference between men and women. Because mm. if we were doing a, a podcast on femininity, we'd be talking about social media. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Women tend totally. to, to waste their time and destroy themselves with social media, technologically speaking. Mm-hmm. Right. And men tend to destroy themselves with pornography and video games mm-hmm. yep and so as a man you have to be disproportionately focused on that not being the case mm-hmm. so i think um to get back to charles Duning's book about habits one of the things you need to do is you need to pre-decide in your right. in your most spiritual frame of mind completely separate from these things what you believe is the appropriate piece that they should play and fit in your life yeah. and pre-decide about it yeah. yes and then tell other people those facts yeah and then weekly or maybe to start off daily and then weekly and then monthly you need to be checking very Mm -hmm. specifically if you are living up to them Mm -hmm. right and and you need to keep track of how long you're playing video games and so on because most video games are designed now to where you feel like you're just getting going after about an hour Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so but i mean you spend an hour a day and that's now we're getting back to doing your job really well or being good at things right Right, like, right. yeah, you can beat Call of Duty or you can learn how to rebuild a chainsaw or you can learn how to change the alternator in your car or like you could do something in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. like it drives me, like I remember going out and working in my garden, growing real food, coming inside and my daughter didn't want to come out and work with me in the garden because she was playing Farmville. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I and I and I know why because in two minutes she can make sixty eggs mm-hmm. and win, mm-hmm. and it takes me all summer to grow a piece of squash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like that's you. You must that is that is the foundation of Babel. Mm-hmm. You must release yourself from that bondage, and that the strength that it'll take to do that is, is foundationally masculine. Mm-hmm. You'll become more of a man when you put them aside. And for some men, you will have to cold Turkey 
walk away from video games and you may have to do it permanently. Like some men will have to stop drinking alcohol permanently. Mm -hmm. It just accesses you too profoundly for you to touch them. Yeah. Um, And that's all there is to it. And so if it affects you the way it affects some alcohol affects some men, then you just can't do it. Right. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. And for some men, you'll be able to like play an hour and a half on Tuesdays and Fridays and that's it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is with this for with a lot of men is they want to win and they want to be good yeah. at stuff, and the obviously the guys who play twenty six hours a week are the best. Right. Right. So I was right. playing a game with Jude. It was this like you're a car, and you're playing soccer in this big stadium. It's like three mm-hmm. cars on three cars, and you're like hitting mm-hmm. the ball with these cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very fun video game. <laughs> Scott used to play that with um, the college students. Okay. Yeah. Very very fun video game. Okay. <laughs> I played it for probably seven hours total at my in-laws' house. We were, the guys were playing video games, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm terrible. I mean, I'm so bad, <laughs> right? And But I know that if I played it 20 hours a week for a while, I'd be one of the good players. Mm-hmm. And then I would win every time, just about every time. And it would be mm-hmm. really fun, right? That's really tempting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you aren't that guy who plays 20 hours a week or 42 hours, I mean, like some of these guys play a lot. Right. They just get to win and you basically are their cannon fodder to just get killed, mm-hmm. right. which makes which makes you either want to quit or be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is you can't survive that equation. Mm-hmm. So you just have to quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or play with all newbies and right. Right. have some fun being bad. But <laughs> right. that's the way some things, some things you aren't meant to be an expert at in mm-hmm. video games, like, like a lot of sports, mm-hmm. right? You're supposed to be pretty bad at them. You're supposed to just have fun playing. Them. Right. 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 And then you just walk away. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Let's cover these last two quickly. Form covenantal deep friendships with other men. Uh, how many people can you count to be there? How many can count on you to be there for them when they need you? How many people can you count on to be there for you if you need them? Yeah. You got to form meaningful friendships yeah. of people for who you're a priority for them and you're their priority for you. Right. And you can only have... I mean, less than seven of those. Right. But the average American man has one or zero friends. Right. Yeah. I, I recently read a study that was like 24% of millennials, um, young millennial men can't even say that they have an acquaintance, which was, yeah. oh which was goodness. shocking to me because that either means we don't understand what acquaintance means or <laughs> things are, are much worse than I. Yeah. Well, I knew something yeah. was wrong when I, I read a couple of reports on how much less sex millennials were having. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, when did that not become fun? Mm-hmm. Like what, what is happening? Yeah. And yeah. it's so like a number of people have said that aside from anxiety, that the, the, if you want to look at the biggest pandemics in the, in the developed world right now, the two biggest candidates are stress and loneliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The only thing that could possibly beat loneliness is stress mm-hmm. and social media and video games produce both. both. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so learning how to relate to real people, and have deep and meaningful friendships is fundamental mm-hmm. to human existence, but also to love, which is the fundamental Christian virtue. You can't right. love people that you don't know. And like I, Leonard Sachs talks about in his books, talking to some guys and they're like, well, I have friends. And he's like, what's their names? And, the, <laughs> and it's, a lot of guys will say, well, I know their call sign. I was, oh, yeah. Or I know yeah. their screen name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Judas said to me before, he plays Fortnite sometimes, and he said to me before, like he's referred to people as his friends, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know anything more than their screen name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's not what a friend is. Yeah. Buddy. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a playmate. That's right. what you got is theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. So then final one, get a mentor who is sufficiently masculine. So I think this, this goes back to the... Especially right. if you're struggling with us. Right. And that more is absorbed than is... Then can just be 
taught. So put yourself around a guy who is masculine and pay attention to him. Yeah. And seek to grow that way. Yeah. And make sure that it's a masculine that's not boorish, stupid, right. Overly aggressive, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other stuff. That's really important for empowering masculinity. This is advice. So none of this is Mm -hmm. therapeutic. Right. So there's a whole nother conversation we could have about like wounds young men receive Mm -hmm. and how it debilitates their masculinity. Like almost every man receives some kind of wound from their mother and their father Mm -hmm. related directly to their masculinity and they don't understand it. Usually at least they're in their late Mm thirties if they ever do. Yeah. And like that's a whole nother podcast. So I just want you to know if you're a man listening to this and you're kind of like, I feel so debilitated. I feel so hurt. Like this just feels like you're just telling me to do stuff. Right. And I don't even know how to do it. And right. You need to, you need to realize that this is a Christian podcast. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus died for all of our failures. Yeah. Amen. He died for our failures in our humanity. Every sin is a failure of our humanity. Mm-hmm. And every sin in some portion is a failure of our masculinity or femininity because it's so fundamental to who we are. And Jesus died for all of those sins, right? God does not count those sins against you. But what he wants to do is redeem and rehabilitate your humanity and your ma- and in that your masculinity, your femininity in Christ. And so God wants for you to flourish and to mm-hmm. blossom and to grow. And so um, you need to know that first, that you stand right with God and his look upon you is not of mild disgust, um, no matter how much pornography you look at or what kind or how much video game you've played and wasted your life. No, no matter what you've done up to this point, right? God's God's face towards you if you believe in his Christ is not disgust, mm-hmm. but love. You are one with Christ and he looks upon you as he looks upon his own son who has accomplished everything perfectly for you, right? So you need to understand your justification, right? And you need to understand your sanctification. That is that you are free from sin. You don't have to keep doing and living this right. way, right? But also that God is with you and you have the authority to change in him and that he, but in, in doing that, he's pro, he may take you back as he gets ready to take you forward. And sometimes that means you've got to, you've got to reckon with wounds and hurts and damage that's been done and damage you've done to yourself. And that's just, a, all I can say is that's just a different podcast, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it may mm-hmm. be, that may actually be your first step before you're really, you grow in your ability to do these pieces of advice we've given, yeah. mm-hmm. but please don't mistake words of advice with the word of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yes. The word of the gospel is you are redeemed in Christ. You are loved and God has given himself to you and you um, are being redeemed in Christ with here are some of the things that you can do as you try to live out your stewardship in him that work mm-hmm. in the world as it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. Great. All right. I think that's it for today. Yeah. With that, let's call it an episode. Thanks guys. listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and other apps like that we hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. 
Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.